It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Reno's in. ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Damon is steering the ship today in the Finley Toyota Studios. Adam is here. We just had a really good hour talking about the parade and all the festivities for the Vegas Golden Knights celebration. Also, some sobering moments. Uh, Mark Chinook, you know, mentioning the importance of uh, including the the uh, one October tribute as part of a very raucous night. That was a good question by you, Adam. Like, how do you balance that when you want to pay tribute, but you also you know, you've got this crazy, crazy atmosphere going on. So, uh, again, Damon Cofield and Adam Hill here on this Monday. Let's get to it. Big Four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number four. So I figured yesterday was going to be sack out for 19 hours, Adam Hill, but I actually texted you yesterday. I got an answer. Um, were you actually watching the U.S. Open golf? On a phone at the U.S. soccer game. Get out of here. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was in the, was in the crowd at the uh, at the U.S.-Canada game watching the U.S. Open on the phone, obviously because I had some wagers and wanted to follow them. <laughs> um, decided to do everything I could and get every single player on the board and fade Wyndham Clark because I fi- figured he'd fall apart, and he didn't. So, not good. Did you take Ricky Fowler at all? Uh, nope. I didn't have Fowler and Clark. That was the two guys I didn't have. Okay. So, I needed Rory. Or I needed a uh, a Scheffler rally because I got him early at like seventy five to one early in the day, hoping he would rally up the board. Uh, Xander Shoffley was hoping would he uh, he would rally and put together a round like he did on Thursday. None of that happened, and uh, I lost. So I was watching it though. Number three. Why are you fired up about the time? Because it allowed you to watch it. Well, not only allowed allowed me to watch it, but I think a lot of people. I mean. Yeah, on the East Coast, people are probably annoyed that it's a little bit later, but you get these tournaments, these major tournaments that end at like 2 o'clock sometimes out here. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, give me something later in the day. We count. I want to watch baseball early in the day and watch golf later in the evening, and when that's going on, you get a, you get a nice golf tournament, wrap it up around 6, 6.30. That's great. So you see one of the most popular things now is, because, uh, you know, this whole belief that California sucks and it's been drummed into people in the Midwest and the South, one of the favorite things now of fans to do is say that West Coast fans completely suck across the board. And that's why we got bashed last week here in Las Vegas, right? People want to be all hypercritical on how Las Vegans, I mean, you know, I was watching videos of like people in the crowd in this shot right here are on their phones and they're not cheering. All right, we're getting a little hypercritical on ISO moments. Cut it out. So the U.S. Open got crushed. The fan, the L.A. got crushed. L.A. got crushed because there were no fans on the course. So what the hell was going on? Well, I can, I can tell you for one thing for sure. Is that, you know, one of my best friends lives very close to the course and was very excited to go and makes pretty decent money, had zero chance of affording going. What does that mean? Uh, He he was I was texting with him yesterday morning. He's like, I'm doing everything, everything I can to try to get in. I can't afford these tickets. I saw a tweet said 23,000 tickets per day available at uh, L.A. Country Club. 14,000 of those seats were for luxury suites. And there were just 4,500 tickets available per day. That might explain why the crowds have been so small and quiet. Yeah, and, and there was so you could only, there's only 4,500 tickets to buy because 4,500, I believe, went to the course, uh, trying to you know give it to their members and things like that. Uh, so there's only 4,500 tickets available to buy, and so when you have such limited supply, 
or excuse me, uh, <laughs> you have people that want to go, but such limited supply, the prices are going to go through the roof. And so I, I just don't think people could afford it. So can we talk brass tax here? What would you say? Half the field was like, good. We hate oh, the fans anyway. Of course. Right? How many times in the past have we seen the new generation of golfers who were like, blade of grass, I just heard that. Don't move. Yeah. Sir, don't shake your coins. Oh, someone's taking a picture. I can hear the little click on the phone. Like, these guys are so hypersensitive. Can I bring up the other big theme here? And I don't think this was the case. But for golf in general, if you had given me free tickets to go see the U.S. Open with what just happened recently with the Saudis buying U.S. golf, hard pass. Hard pass. Yeah. And it's not its not the players who agreed to it. Now there's players who are back in, involved, and they were going to be involved in the majors anyway. But, um, no, no thanks. Yeah, I think I don't know that that was necessarily part. I of I don't it, think but, it was, but I'm. But yeah, I'm curious to see. I'll look up the ratings. Maybe it did killer ratings, and and this merger is like the greatest thing ever well, for to, golf viewing. To your point, I'm, I'm not in. To your point, I'm sure there's players saying, "Hey, can we have this ticket structure for every tournament? Yep. So people can't get in. It'd right. be great. Yeah. Too much noise. We don't like the fans. They're always jostling us. I don't like hearing noise. It's distracting. Yeah. We want an empty course. Well, I don't care where they play. I don't care who's on the course. Just play it at night. That's great. I love that. Number two. Okay, well, we're not ones to sit here and talk about attendance in L.A. at a golf event and go, what the hell? How come no one? We gave you the details of why no one was there. Um, Were the tickets too much for USA Canada yesterday? There were a lot, but um, I think the, the, the bigger issue is there's one game people care about. And so when you have a tournament, which is two two days, you, you you're gonna get what you got this week. So people only cared about USA so Mexico. Wednesday was sold out, or Thursday. Thursday, Thursday was sold out. Uh, uh, yesterday, I think was sold out too. But you get a sellout of everybody showing up, every seat filled, this wild atmosphere for US Mexico. And then yesterday, you have both those teams playing, but at separate times. So you have because it's one it's one ticket. You had all the Mexican fans come to the first game. And then they leave, the U.S. fans show up, and they're at the second game. So now both look half full when all the tickets are sold. So it, it's just it's a, a matter of, hey, if you have a USA-Mexico one-off like uh, we had last year, crazy, sold out, wild, that was fun. This year it happens again, but then you can't convince the entire crowd to stay for the championship game if it's not U.S. versus Mexico. So I will say, as somebody who went there yesterday to the game, it was a little bit disappointing to have a, a, a stadium that looks, I would say, a third full because two thirds were Mexican fans. I think that left, but that's just that's going to be the problem that you have if you're if you're going to have you know people buy the tickets that are only going to see half of the half of the games that are going on that day. So if you're going to stay for one game in the doubleheader, it's going to kind of ruin what it looks like. There's a uh, soccer podcast up on TikTok talking about this. So this is what the attendance for CONCACAF Nations League final looks like. Canada versus USA and it's barely full. Why? What's kind of crazy is that same venue is going to be hosting Man United versus Borussia Dortmund in about a month. But if you want a lower bowl seat to that match, you're paying about $135 to $500. Maybe the event just wasn't well marketed. Um, I don't think it was. And well, sold yeah, out. yeah, but not but not yesterday. Yes, it was. So but I'm telling all, you, so it's all combo it's one tickets. Ticket. Yes, it's one ticket okay, for the well, doubleheader. There's the explanation. So the Mexico fans go, yeah. they see their game, leave, right. and then the American fans show up, and they had only bought about a third of the okay. tickets. And now, so now they go. So it's really 135. Well, upcoming, it's 135 for that game. Uh, this guy was quoting prices at like 90 bucks. It was 90 bucks for two games. Yeah. Yes, yeah, for, for a doubleheader. 
So I mean, and that's okay. so that's where you're at. So how about could the solution be uh, don't ever do double headers again? With maybe, one but it's a third price. place match in the, in the first. I mean, I guess you're going to do two separate days, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is you're still going to have people buy them in advance, right? So, again, right. it was a very pro-Mexican crowd Thursday. Right. And yesterday, more people were at the Mexico game than were at the second game. So, I guess what you would do I, – I don't know how you would block – because Mexican fans would then buy the first game and then they would buy the probably the championship match. So, then you would still have the problem of them having the tickets but not showing up. For, for that match. So, I mean, that that is where the issue is going to come in. Uh, I think you just do, if you do one-off games, I think you're much better off here. What is CONCACAF? It's the region that that the U.S. plays in. It's U.S., Mexico, Canada, Panama. It's Central America, uh, the Caribbean, North America, those those countries. I think there's 41 nations. Part of so, it? where are the team now? Without a question. It's, okay. There's not even a close second right now uh, in the region. Uh, and I would say... I, I made the argument earlier. I think Canada is number two in the region right now. I think Mexico has fallen to a third. How is the setup at Allegiant on the field? It's terrible. I mean, this it's the problem. It's not big enough. And so you end up having it's shorter and narrower. Um, I mean, I think the actual the surface is great and the, the sight lines are great. It's great to watch a, a match there, but it's not a regulation field. Uh, and the, So it's shorter because they have a football field. They play on grass, right? They have yeah, to? Uh-huh. And they can't extend it out, even though they could push those stands up like they do for UNLV games. Yeah. But the field, the, the actual grass doesn't go that far. Yeah, the far. actual surface doesn't go that far. And if you watch, they have like, room. If they when they push yeah. the stands back, they got plenty of room. Well, they got room, but they don't have the actual grass right. surface to right. go out there. Um, and if you look, like it, like watch a throw in, they have to just basically because the the surface goes right up to the wall. Like, there's no space on the side either. It's bad. It's it's bad, but. The venue is great, and the sight lines are great. All that stuff's good. It's just the actual, you know, dimensions of the field just don't work. Number one. Where is the Stanley Cup right now? Great question. I think, uh, I don't know. We're trying to put together a schedule of who's going to have it when. Right. Um, But I know, you know, Mark Stone said he only had it for the first night at his house. Uh, And he, you know, he slept at his house that first night. And that's not his day. It's not his official day with the cup. I think he's going back home for that, but um, it's a good question right now. It might might be at the team facility. So on the staff, after the game, remind me, Devon, we talked about this last week. Jesus, our Spanish broadcaster, did he pick up the cup? Was that the story from last week? Yep, got to hold the cup on the ice. Did we ever get RTHG? Because he was still on the air, so he, he probably couldn't do anything on the ice. And then... What did Ma- did Magnum the Chapman take a picture with it? No, he decided he declined. He said he didn't want to. He oh, and play. what was his reasoning? Because he he thought he was going to be a part of the parade. I know how that went out. But wait, right wait, now, wait, wait. What do you mean thought? We talked all last week about Chapman being on one of those buses as part of the broadcast team. Didn't make the cut. Ryan he the didn't make guy, the cut. Ryan the hockey guy made the cut. Oh no! Darren Millard made the cut. Wow, man, talk about a show mix now moving forward. Chapman got snubbed. Millard, I mean, Millard's got to be part of it. RTHD made it as well. Oh, man. Have you checked in to see if everything's okay? You know what? I tried to talk to Holy him about it today, cow. being around the bush. But then all he wanted to do was talk about, you know, some uh, some guys that used to work here. And I was just like, you you wasted 20 minutes of the day. That's not <laughs> you wasted 20 minutes of the day. Uh, you did see there was a feature that talked about uh, this cup has been just violated over the years. Yeah, no surprise. I didn't. I didn't realize how common it is to sleep naked and spoon the cup. 
It's gross. I mean, I think... I mean, I think that guy, Mike Bolton, he's got like two other guys. I think the keeper of the cup, like they probably hose it down, spray it down pretty heavily. I don't know if that's enough. They have to have a black light. I don't think shine they it know. all over the cup. I don't think they want to know. I we think that's the point. It. We got to clean. We don't it want to know what's on this thing. Isn't there? I told when we had uh, John Taffer in name drop. Um, Taffer on his show, they have this new technology at bars where you wash your hands and then you put your hand underneath a light and it can see if there's like you know still some dirt on there. Wash it again. They got to have one of those for the cup. I don't think they do. I, I think the whole key is not no. You don't want to know. You just you live in the moment. As uh, as Mark was just saying with us, he said Mark just said he drank from it, and you you don't think about the past or where it's been or what it's gone through. I think kind of same if you do a shoey. What's that? If you're uh, if if you're like Australia, I think in Australia, New Zealand, they kind of invented it. It's a a celebratory drink from a shoe. Like you take off your shoe oh, yeah, yeah. and drink out of it. You just don't think about how disgusting that is. Right. You just do it. I think same with the cup. You just you just have to take whatever is in it. Are you surprised? With the story that a lot of people spoon it, a lot of people sleep naked with it. I'm not surprised by it. It's just, it's, it doesn't seem like a normal behavior. It's not. Just enjoy it. Like, I mean, that's... That's how they enjoy it. It's weird. It is. Yes, it is yeah, weird. That's the whole point. To be creative as possible. Well, there's ways you can get creative when you're awake. Yes. You and, to... and and with clothes on. Sure. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lures in Reno and Las Vegas and Henderson offices in all three spots. You can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400-775 in the north. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, back here approaching the uh, midway point of the show. So much going on this weekend to recap on the ground in Vegas with uh, the parade. Now looking ahead on VGK, free agency is coming up on July 1st. We had all the soccer to get to. We haven't touched on what was a wacky deal with a big prize available in Bradley Beal. So I wanted to go out to the D.C. market and at the Team 980. It's the Rooster, Chris Russell. What's up, Chris? Hey, Steve. How are you, pal? I'm good. Say hi to our good friend, <laughs> uh, often very happy and jovial, Adam Hill. Hello, Adam. How are you? I don't know why he made you re-say hello, but hello. How are you? Good to, good to hear from you. I, 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 I didn't know you were there. So, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to say hello. I watched some of your coverage of the uh, of the parade on Saturday night. Uh, I, I was excited. I'm excited for you guys. I mean, Vegas is a hockey city, baby, yeah, and then yeah. some. Yeah, Officially we had, uh, now. We have, we have people say all the time that, uh, you know, Vegas is their home away from home. They're lying. For Chris, it actually is. You had to, you laid quite the tracks here. You were a wild man. Uh, used to referee basketball. We won't get into that joke. Uh, but, but I know, I know you were, you've always been very excited that a desert town has taken to hockey the way it has. So what did you see yep. in the parade? Because it was a freaking wild time, dude. Oh, I mean, you know, listen, you're talking to somebody that covered the Capitals parade and, and, and kind of, you know, was a part of, you know, immersed in that for days and then afterwards. And, you know, I, I would say pretty crazy and, and maybe on par with uh, with some of that, if not all of that. I don't know if they're going to stay drunk as long as the Capitals. As a matter of fact, boys, the Capitals might still be drunk uh, from the 2018 <laughs> Cup win in Vegas. Uh, that's why they can't get out of the first round, and this year they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, hopefully there's not a hangover for the Vegas Gold Knights. Um, you know, but good for those guys, man. I mean, especially, the, you know, the original guys. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, 
and you guys know, I, you know, obviously from living out in Vegas for two years, a long time ago, my son being born in Vegas, you know, my son is, is like, you know, that's my hometown. And, you know, like he was so pumped up. We were watching it together, even though uh, he lives in Canton, Ohio, and I live in Northern Virginia. We were watching on video phone together uh, as a Prince Cup. I made him up and uh, all that stuff. So it was just awesome to see the whole experience. And, you know, I mean, personally, in a, on a different level, you know, I got to cover Chandler Stevenson in Washington when he was a part of that, you know, 2018. And he was one of my favorite guys to cover, a really good guy. And obviously it turned out to be a huge piece for you guys. And George McKay was here forever. And, you know, way back when Cassidy was the head coach here a long time ago, I didn't get to cover him, but I covered George and I covered, um, you know, Chandler Stevenson. And I'm, I, you know, I'm just thrilled for you guys. I'm thrilled for the city of Vegas. I mean, everything that this franchise has kind of endured and been through, you know, from the mass shooting just, you know, right before their inaugural season to that first Stanley Cup run to making the playoffs last year to bouncing back and winning it this year is awesome. Chris, why are you're a big hockey guy. Why are so many hockey fans mad at Vegas and mad about the Golden Knights going back to the expansion draft? Why are, There's so many people out there who just sound bitter and jealous. Well, because they weren't, they were set up to succeed more than your typical traditional in the past expansion franchise. But again, I, I see this and I've said, and I've defended it then and I defend it now when people bring that up. That was smart by Gary Bettman. Why would you want a dormant, right. dead, no chance franchise for six or seven years as you're trying to build a fan base in a non hockey traditional hockey market? Like, if Vegas came out and sucked every year until now, it would be a hard climb, right? Now, I'm sure people would get excited, people would get into it, but instead, as you guys know, hockey has been really big and really popular in a lot of pockets in Vegas and around since day one, and it never really relented. I mean, maybe it dropped off a little bit last year uh, during the non-playoff year, but for the most part, like because this team has made the playoffs every year except for last year, and now has won a cup and has been to two cup finals in six years, you have a, essentially a foundation franchise. Why? Because the NHL chose to say, you know, no, we're not going to do this traditional, old-school, old-fashioned, bullcrap way. We're going to do it a different way and set them up to succeed if they make the right choices. And clearly, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and Anybody that's been the head coach there, and I know they've circled through through them, uh, you know, quite a bit dirty laundry. But you know, the bottom line is, is they've all made it work to some degree, and now finally the icing on the cake. All right. So that said, is the rest of the league going to follow suit in some way and try to win? I, I feel like half the league is like patience. We can't do that. Trades, uh, we can't make trades. Big free agents, we can't sign them. Like everyone, step up and start competing. They've laid the path. And listen, it might be short term success. Who cares? They won a cup. Everyone else, nut up and yeah. start doing it. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, every time we see... Now, I think Vegas has done it differently than, say, I don't know, um, maybe like the L.A. Rams did in football, and, and you guys would you know be able to relate to this, obviously. I mean, yes, it paid for the Rams. They won a Super Bowl, barely. I mean, absolute poop because, you know, their guys fall off, their guys are too expensive, there's too many gambles, not a graphics, so on and so forth. So you can get hurt by that, especially if you don't win the ultimate trophy, i.e. the Stanley Cup or the Vince Lombardi Trophy or whatever. Now, you know, so, so that's the argument against it. But then the argument for it is, 
I mean, obviously, again, if you can put it all together, one championship is worth whatever pain it comes with. And then in Vegas's case, in the NHL, I mean, obviously, a hard cap calorie, a hard cap calorie, a hard cap salary scored um, with different rules than the NFL. But yeah, you're right. They play this pretty much perfectly, you know, with the acquisitions of Stone and um, my gosh, uh, you know, so many different guys. Oh, you know, uh, over. Um, you know, over the years, um, I'm forgetting, they've made so many big I trades. Mean, signing, signing. Uh, Jack Eichel, obviously. Exactly. Uh, and Making more, a trade for Eichel when other people this, were afraid. Yep. And, they, yeah, and Petrangelo so was a So aggressively yep. and perfectly that even when things haven't worked out, i.e. last year, they were able to, again, recover, retool, step on the gas pedal, and boom, go this year right back to the top and ultimately finishing off. That's the way I would prefer to do it, the way they've done it. But I realize not everybody is set up exactly that way. But to your point, they should be more aggressive, right? Mm -hmm. Sports are about being aggressive. And sometimes you can't actually you can't actually make it work. But when you can make it work the way Vegas did, the way other teams have, eh, you know, enjoy the enjoy the, the fruits. <laughs> Chris Russell, do the uh, the team nine eighty. In DC, go ahead. Huh? Yeah, do you? What do you think this off season is going to be like in the NHL? Knowing that a lot of teams expected the cap to go up significantly, I, I can't not, hear you guys. If you can hear me, uh, you got us now or no? Uh oh. Oh, no. His phone's crapping out. Yeah. What a disaster! It was such a great question too. Yeah. It was so it was so, it was so good. Uh, it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. It's rough. All right, let's see if uh, Rooster's back. Chris, you up? Oh no, is he there? Yeah. Oh boy! What a disaster. Okay, well, you know what? We're not we're not going to get to the Bradley Beal part, which I really wanted to get to. I, I did I did want to point out one thing from the discussion of you know why the rules were the way they were. Mm -hmm. Like, let's not pretend it wasn't financial because it was. Uh, huh. When Bill Foley agreed to to you know buy a team to pay the expansion fee, the rumors were it was going to be one hundred fifty million dollars. One hundred fifty million dollar expansion fee. Get in the league. See what you can do. And in the end, the league was like, yeah, we're going to need a little bit more. Like, all these owners kind of need some, you know, this is how they're going to kind of share in here, get their part of the fee. Oh, okay. It's going to have to be $500 million. And so for that $500 million, they said, yeah, we're going to make you good. Right. So, like. So these, so these two guys, Seattle and Vegas, basically helped float the league for right. a little bit longer by right. nearly quadrupling But I also, I also will tell fans. Fee. Yes, but I also tell fans, like, you would be mad, too. Like there's a reason. It's not. It's not that people are just mad. Hey, you're, we're, we don't like that you're good. Like there was a lot of things given to these franchises, in particular the Golden Knights, you know, in order to make them good that other franchises did not have the benefit of. So like when people get mad about it, just say, yeah, that's what happened. Don't get don't get mad at them for being mad at you. Chris, you back with us? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we got, I got we, you guys we, now. We got Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, standing outside of uh, National Park and uh, just lost you guys. Sorry about yeah. that. We got about a minute left. Adam was basically asking yep. you, "Hey, the expectation was there was going to be a lot more money this off season with the the cap being higher. Now it's not. What do you think the off season is like? As everyone has to uh, be creative and kind of tighten the belt." Yeah, I mean, I think they, I think teams have been facing that for the last couple of years, tighter salary cap restrictions, whatever. I know that's been a problem here in Washington. I mean, I mean, obviously, if if you've got some money to play around with, you can be a little bit more aggressive. If not, you're going to have to make a trade to clear out some room and you know, decide who you want, who you don't want. I mean, clearly the sports revenues have not exponentially grown. Otherwise, the salary gap would have exponentially grown, and it hasn't. Um, so that kind of stinks. 
Uh, I wish it was more. I wish it was better. I mean, what is it, like 83.5 million, 84 million, whatever it is? I mean, obviously, you'd like it to be more. But just because the cap would be more, uh, player salaries would be more. So I don't know how much more room uh, you would have. I mean, you know, but I still prefer the NHL system, quite honestly, over like the NBA system, which is, you know, basically like learning a different language and, and maybe learning like a couple of different languages with all of their CBA rules and all of their trade exceptions and kickers and all that stuff. I still like the way the NHL, for the most part, does it with the average annual value uh, counting as the salary cap hit every year. All right. Serious this time. 30 seconds. I wanted to talk to you about Beal. What does the city think about this? you guys all bitter? You got nothing for them. No, I mean, the city is – listen, Wizards fans are frustrated at the return. They are happy that Beal is gone because they resented Beal for getting the max deal, even though it wasn't his fault. It was the CBA's fault, you know? I mean, he made a third-team All-Pro uh, or All-NBA or whatever the hell it's called th- three years ago, and he became eligible for the Supermax. So the Wizards had a chance to trade him or give him away for nothing or sign him to the Supermax. Their problem was they gave him a, a complete no-trade clause and a 15% trade kicker. So ultimately, they're happy that he's gone because they realized it wasn't going to work here in Washington, but they're mad that... He didn't trade him two years ago when they said they could have gotten more value. Of course, no doubt, Sherlock, they could have gotten more value after he was averaging 31 points a game two consecutive years. The problem is, is they didn't trade him then, and they shouldn't have traded him then, at least in my opinion, and they traded him now, which was a year too late or two years too late, ultimately, as it turns out, because he can't stay healthy, and now he's going to go join his brother in uh, injury crime. Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant, and they can both sit on the bench for 40 games a year. Chris, we're up right up against it. We'll see you, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Sorry about the phone issues. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. So good spot there with Chris Russell, DC, the team, 980. Uh, in a market which is kind of pathetic. Think about it. We're talking about a top 15 market in our nation's capital with a pretty... Now, you know what? I'm not even going to say a rich history in sports. It's got a history. It's not always a winning history. Former Redskins were really good for a long time, and now they've been pathetic for the longest time because Dan Snyder sucks. And I have no idea what's going to happen with the new owner. I mean, the fact that the Wizards have been irrelevant... Remember the stuff that happened in the finals with Jokic? And a lot of it was because the Northeast Corridor media and a lot of the national media people just choose to ignore the Mountain and Pacific time zones unless it's Golden State or L.A. And so you had all this like, ah, Jokic. This guy's good. He's a two-time MVP. And it's like, I didn't realize this. Most of the NBA has no idea who Bradley Beal is. Think, think about that. He is an awesome player, but he has toiled in obscurity in a top 15 market. How is that possible? You know why? Because that ownership group hasn't cared about the Wizards in forever. I don't know how that happens. And that's what I'm going to want. Like, I know you scoff at me because – with Bill Foley when I say, hey, best owner in sports, one of the best owners in sports. Whatever he does outside of the sport, I don't – whatever. That guy has a singular goal. Okay, number one goal ultimately is to make money. But I think he understands you can make more money 
by taking some risk and spending money. And they're most I I I think half of the owners in sports are just like, hey man, I'm, I'm gonna like cash in big time when I sell the team. You know, I get a baseline number that I'm gonna make without taking too many risks. I'm just gonna do that. Someone was talking about Kristaps Porzingis the other day on on on. No, we were. Right? Remember when you looked up? Remember when you, I don't know if you were with us, Damon. We were talking about the seventy fifth, seventy fifth yeah, best player, seventy fifth best player in the NBA. If someone would recognize him on the street, and you guys picked the wrong guy, a seven three guy, of course they would. Who were we talking about? That was what sport was it? It was a golf. So whoever the seventy fifth player uh, was, some oh, guy was won the Canadian, Canadian Open, Open. Yeah. but his buddy goes out to celebrate with him because he's also a golfer. Yeah. And security was like, "Buddy, we don't know who you are. Yeah, man. We don't know who you are. We don't even know the guy who was seventy fifth best." But in the case of Porzingis, I was like. Where is Porzingis playing? That's pathetic. A part of it's pathetic on me that I don't know every single. Sure. You know, I'm following in the footpath or the uh, footsteps or in the path of uh, Shaq and Barkley, but like Porzingis went from New York, where everyone cared, went to Dallas, and he kind of fell off. And now in Washington, it's like he's still in the league. That is a now, pathetic. Now he's the piece they're building around. I feel pathetic like. market. Because because I'll give you another good example. The Nats have money. They won at the highest level. They were like, nope, everyone goes. Like, what? And now the Nats are completely irrelevant. They're coming back. They're building around Candelario. Yeah. <laughs> He's hitting third every game. That's, that's their star. So I know my rant about don't be mad at Vegas and don't be jealous with Vegas. Be mad at your owner and your owners in your market. They don't care about you. They don't try. And D.C. is a really good example. Yeah. I, I mean, I think D.C. is a, a good Well, to Bradley Beal's point, though, because I, I was looking up uh, when the last time he played a full season was, which was like 2019. So, th- I mean, that is part of – On average, how many games are he playing? Part of why uh, – f- say 50? All right. But that's part of why yeah. – like, th- it's part of why they're not making the playoffs, right? Like, yeah. your best player who, as you said, not very well-known – not you know, not this you know larger than life character in the league. Even though maybe he should be based on a skill. Well, they're not making the playoffs because probably because he's not playing. Well, they game. also caught a, caught a bad break with John Wall. That was a franchise player. But here's the thing: recover. Yeah. Come out of it. Spend out of it. You can. I mean, we're going to talk to Von Tobel in a couple minutes. With Beal on the Suns, they have four guys who make 142 million dollars. The Caps 142. They're still going to put a team together. Like you either want to spend beyond the cap and be a real billionaire and an owner in the NBA, or you just go, oh, we took our lumps. What can we do? And then you wind up just trading everyone for nothing. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Woo! All right, JVT is in. Adam's here, Damon as well. Von Tobel, how you doing, buddy? Uh, good, just hanging out, doing some work, having a beer. You know, nice <laughs> summer day. So you're still living Father's Day 24 hours later? Uh, pretty much, yeah, actually. It was pretty cool today. So I didn't really get like a full Father's Day yesterday, so I just kind of like I saw it. photos, you were out. Hey, what'd you do? Have a nice day. Uh, yesterday I worked all day. Oh, I thought you were out for like uh, lunch or something at uh, DTS. Oh no, that was uh, that was what Saturday night. Okay, Friday or Saturday night, one of those two. Yes, we went out to a, a local DTS spot, had some drinks, went to Dave and Buster's. So that was more like a date night thing. Did you get some Papa shot in, dude? So we did. We actually went to you know the big Papa shot. I don't know what it's oh, called. Yeah. 
It's, yeah, in, the, it's uh, in the far right corner in the back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And because is, Isabel, for those who don't know, my wife Isabel is a huge Papa Shot fan. She absolutely loves it, and she was determined to conquer the the big one. And so the first time we went, she held her. She wore her purse, and she was like not really getting any lift. And I was like, "Got to take the purse off." So she gave it to me, and I think she ended up hitting her last like like three shots or three out of her last four on the big one. So she was feeling it. Yeah, we hit some pop a shot for sure. The big one's tough, but it is right next to the uh, Dance Dance Revolution machine, also. So if there's like a, a you know a good game of that going on, a little tough to create space to uh, to get up shots. But there's also about like twelve machines to the left is the Connect Four basketball, which is also is pretty true. fun. That one, uh, we also did hit up Dance Dance Revolution, so that was great. And then we tried to just get as many tickets as possible so we could get the kids something. So we just went to that like roulette thing where you just pull the handle down as hard as you possibly okay. can. It was great. I, I know the entire layout of Dave and Buster. It sounds just like so, it. Just yeah. so you know. Dude, it's, oh, it's awesome. I feel like you have no Fruit time to do anything. in that area. Apparently, oh, great. We, we know where you hang. You're not at the salad place anymore prepping for your uh, your day or, uh, or, or, or a coffee shop. Oh, once no. it closed down. It, now you're at Dave and Buster's. My life. Uh, John, you got to tell me what just happened this weekend. I, I don't understand. Bradley Beal just moved for nothing? Really? Yeah, well, I mean, so there's a couple of things, right? First off, it's his recent play has not really been up to snuff. Um, you know, what I've been using, and this is, look, this is not an end-all be-all, but it just gives you an idea of what Bradley Beal's play has been like over the last couple of years. Uh, there's a metric out there, val- value over replacement player. His last two years, that metric adds up to just over two. The previous four adds up to just under 16. So it gives you an idea of just the difference in the level of play that Bradley Beal has put forth over the last two seasons. You can argue some of his injury. You can argue, I think, some of it is apathy playing for a team that didn't really matter too much. Uh, And we see this all the time in sports where a guy goes to a new spot and kind of gets reinvigorated and and starts to look like the guy we all expected him to be throughout his career or or the guy that he showed throughout his career. So I think that's part of it. Um, Remember, it's the contract. He he had a no-trade clause, so he could control where he wanted to go. So you're negotiating against yourself there because if he releases the no-trade clause for Phoenix, Phoenix gets to go, okay, well, you know, he's approving us, but he's not going to go anywhere else, so we're not going to give you exactly what you want. And the contract length itself, he's due quite a bit of money. Remember, it's a super max deal as opposed to just a max deal. So the tail end of that, we're talking 50-plus million dollars. Uh, that's a lot of money. So all of those things work together to create a situation where Washington was going to get pennies on the dollar, uh, and it's exactly what they got. Uh, Adam's boy, Mark Anderson, who's with the AP now, tweeted out, I guess the Suns didn't get the memo. The big three thing doesn't really work anymore. Um, you know, I think Mark's kind of right. I, I wouldn't disagree with it. Look, it, one of the things that is lost and one of the more irritating statements that I hear when people jump into NBA analysis after not really watching the league in its entirety is that depth doesn't matter. It does. And you don't need 10 guys, but what you need is eight-ish guys, eight or nine, that know exactly what their roles are and that are at least skilled players and not like fringe G League dudes that you're trying to scrape together to fill a roster. You know, the Denver Nuggets are a really good example, guys. Their rotation was only eight deep, but all eight guys knew exactly what their roles were. They'd been with the team. They'd been developing with the team throughout the course of an 82-game schedule. They weren't just thrown together, and that really created a difference. It created a difference in the series against the Phoenix Suns where Monty Williams was throwing everything possible at the wall to find a rotation that he trusted. So... I would say that I, I would agree with that statement to a certain extent. Not just that, hey, three guys together doesn't work. I think it's more of throwing three guys together with how much money they're making and putting yourself in a position salary-wise to not then fill out your roster with quality depth pieces that you're going to need. That is what puts you behind the eight ball, I think, a little bit as a team. Aiton's gone, right? 
I would think so. I mean, because only because one, obviously, like I don't like the front office relationship in the rest of the team kind of seems wonky. And that's just like that's a piece you can get some things for, right? Like Indiana last summer, for those who don't remember, uh, did extend an offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton. The Suns just matched it because he was a restricted free agent, so they got to keep him. So I think you're calling Indiana and you're saying, hey, you wanted him last summer. You know, you still want him. And uh, what are you going to give us for it? So that's probably a spot where you can get it. They have a couple of like fringe guys that maybe you can acquire via trade with DeAndre Ayton so you could fill out your roster a little bit more. But I would think like everything combined, Adam, it's the most obvious next step. Like to get rid of Ayton just to get some other pieces and some other bodies on the roster. Dr. Dre is a free agent. Our good friend, Draymond Green. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. Um, Look, I always say, like, these guys are smart, right? So they're not going to do these things unless they know a deal of some, like, some sort that is equal to what they were going to get with their player option is out there. He was going to make $27.5 million. You would think he's going to potentially resign with Golden State at a somewhat cheaper price. Um, I'll throw out two two teams that you should keep your eye on. I think one is the Dallas Mavericks, who are desperate to you know get some bodies there with Luka Doncic that could help that team improve. If they retain Kyrie Irving, Draymond Green could be a really good defensive piece to add to that group because they're not really good defensively. And the other, I think Steve might like this because Draymond Green might go away and you know never be heard from again. Uh, but the Detroit Pistons, I think the Pistons are a sneaky sexy coming home. Fit. Yeah, right. Well, so it's that right. It's the tie to go home. But their power forward situation is an absolute mess. It's it's one of the worst, I think, one of the worst position groups on any roster uh, in the NBA. They have the money to spend, and they kind of, by all indications, want to, not as bad as Houston, but they do want to accelerate their timeline a little bit. And Draymond improves them defensively, allows them to have, I know Steve's going to love this line, some sort of veteran leadership (laughs) on the (laughs) roster that's going to help guide them to some extent uh, and drum up some excitement. So I would throw, I think right now, the three teams to look out for are Golden State, Dallas, and Detroit. And I, I think Detroit is a little bit more active than people might think they are in terms of the race for Draymond. JVT, who's going to be the next star to move? Because Damian Lillard, he seems like he's the guy that's always pulling the, I want to stay here and be loyal. But he's the most likely star to get moved next, right? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, look, I think by all indications, he wants to like force his way to stay with Portland. Uh, Damon, if it were me, I would tell him, you know, much kinder words. I tell him to kick rocks mm-hmm. if I'm Portland. Like, and it's not that he doesn't have anything to offer. He has tons to offer. But look at the situation that Portland's in. They could trade Damian Lillard, get whatever treasure trove of assets they're going to get for him, have the third overall pick, potentially grab Scoot Henderson, and you're sitting on Scoot Henderson, um, Shaden Sharp, Anfordy Simons, Nasir Little, and whatever assets you get back from Damian Lillard, that's an awesome start to a rebuild, man. Like, I don't know why Portland wants to force this square peg in a round hole and try to make this thing work. I I just think the windows don't match anymore. So to answer your question, I don't think it's Lillard because all indications seem to be that it is going to be those two groups, Portland and Damian Lillard, sticking together. So one of the reports that's out there, and it ties into Portland, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam is allegedly being tied to Portland as one of the guys that the Trailblazers might try to go get to appease Damian Lillard to add a star to the roster. Uh, His deal is a little short. I I think it's expiring. Like He's on one year, essentially, left. Um, Toronto is in the midst of a little bit, maybe, of a rebuild. Remember, Fred Van Vliet is an unrestricted free agent who could be gone. Gary Trent Jr. could be gone. They're fielding offers from OGN and OB. That could be a team that kind of retools, rebuilds, and Pascal Siakam could be on his way to Portland. So he's not like a big star, but I'd put Pascal Siakam at the top of the list given some of the rumors out there. John, with VEASAN, do you do any kind of big draft blowout, any kind of betting guide? 
well, I did put out a mock a, a mock betting draft this morning. Uh, so essentially, it's a mock draft of the first round with every selection tied to some sort of NBA draft prop that can be found out there. Um, that's, I think, the extent of it. You know, I even wrote about it, Steve, in the in the mock draft today. Yeah. The NBA draft just isn't like the sexy thing that the NFL draft is. Nope. Part of it is where it's out of the calendar. Like, guys, if we had a seven-game series in the NBA Finals, it would have ended on Sunday. And then the draft turns right back right. around, and it's on Thursday. So, like, they kind of bury it. They don't give you a lot of time to build up to it. So it's not as big and as sexy. So I'm going to have uh, NBA draft articles up every single day this week. That's the plan, Steve. But it's not going to be anything like crazy, like an NBA draft betting guide or anything like that. Well, the fact that Wemby, the seven three four five kid, is going to go number one, and you know he'll be a guy to follow, is interesting. But I sent you a uh, CBS yeah. mock draft, and as I looked through it, I was like, "Wow, this league." According to this mock draft. All this league cares about now in the draft is getting someone young. It's like the base. It's like baseball minor leagues. Getting someone young to develop who's three and D. It was all guys who were six three to six eight. No bigs, just all wings. Yep, I I think it's right. Like that's today's NBA, man. Like that that is. So we talk a lot about positional value in uh, in the National Football League, right? Because positions are pretty cut and dry in the NFL. You know, you have offensive linemen, you have guards and tackles, you have edge rushers, interior linemen, right? You, you have positions. And in the NBA, it's gotten a little positionless, but one of the things that you've really seen is the 3 and D wing player is extremely important, and they're very coveted. Look around the NBA where guys like Mikhail Bridges and uh, OG Ananobi are very coveted right now by a lot of teams. Heck, Portland is one of the teams that's reaching out to try to pry Mikhail Bridges from the Brooklyn Nets, and the Nets are telling him to kick rocks. Get out of here. We don't want any part of shipping him off. So I think that is the case where you want to build a team that's super switchable, that can hit multiple shots, that can play analytically sound basketball and get out in transition. Those types of players are going to be extremely valuable, and you're starting to see the NBA shift in that direction. Like you said, man, I mean, my mock draft that I put together, I mean, it really starts with Brandon Miller, 3 and D prospect. Cam Whitmore, 3 and D prospect. Jairus yeah. Walker, not three, yeah, but yeah. A, definitely a D prospect and a wing guy. Yep. Uh, Amon Thompson could be a point guard, but also could play along the wing. Like You go up and down the list, there's a bunch of guys like that. Yep. All right, we got to close on this. Adam has a story today. I don't know if you saw it, but it, it really is the – it's one of our favorite songs on the show. Um, Adam always loved this young girl. Uh, well, maybe not, maybe not from the very beginning. <laughs> but, but Rebecca Black, did you see this? That Rebecca no. Black, our Friday, Friday, Friday song, right? Got into it with the Oakland A's on social media. I want to get yeah. your reaction. Adam, present the story. So the A's, for whatever reason, uh, on Friday they they were playing the Phillies and they tweeted out something wow. about Friday with a P-H-R-I-D-A-Y. And like that's how Rebecca Black's cousin from Philly would say it. Like, I don't know where – that's a weird social media team anyway uh, to just, like, randomly tie in Friday with the Phillies and the PH and everything else. Uh, but she – This is great. She roasted them right back with, I don't have a cousin in Philly. Sell the team. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Wow. That's, that's brilliant. Where, is she, where does she reside? It's a great the, like, question. That's incredible. Why would she know how to make that? Re- yeah. Why would that be a reference for her? That's she insane. must have just looked it up, like what's going on with the Phillies, and so, sent it out, or so had somebody in her team. I mean, that was—it's fantastic. Don't, yeah, that's don't, really good. Don't don't mess with the bull if you don't want the horns. A's you you're not you're not ready for Rebecca Black's social media prowess. She crushed Very it. True. I thought you guys. I thought you guys were going to bring up the topic that we we talked about on Friday, which is uh, one global shop opening uh, odds on the Special Olympics this summer. It's Come on, John. Yeah, nails on a chalkboard. This is not real. Come on, John. It is real. Oh, no. It's real. Is it the book I'd expect? Probably. 
What is it, John? What's going on? So uh, we got about thirty. Book, we got about thirty seconds. Yeah, just just a book opened up odds on, on the Special Olympics, and really? there's a conversation about obviously the morality of it and whatnot, and uh, whether or not you should be able to do that, and if people actually care. But it's an interesting topic. It's, it's, I'll leave it's it to tough. you and Willie. Did you hit it? Did you hit it hard on Vison? Uh, I actually didn't because everybody got uncomfortable. I don't do, know do why. Do you have any handicappers? Really, are you breaking it down? I mean, I'm not breaking like down the sport itself. I think the topic of allowing betting on it is a pretty interesting one, though. Yeah. Like a, I will, look, at how, look at how uncomfortable you guys are. No, got. because, because I'll, I'm, the reason I haven't read that story, so I want to see exactly what it is before I either you know criticize heavily or support it. So I just need a little time, my friend. It's the same when they put high school football games up on up for betting and people get a little uncomfortable with that. It's not, it's not, not the it's, same it's at not, all. It's not it's the, the same. same. John, the athletes you can bet on. What are you talking guys, about? Guys, we're all up against They're athletes it. at we, the peak of their sport. You we, can bet on them. We got to get out of the They're the best in the world at what they do. 